Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. We do owe all to him, don't we? The choice he made to go to the cross was the choice that changed our lives. As we're talking about choices the next few weeks, we're talking not about the choices that we think we make, because we love to discuss our own idea of choice and the way we make choice, and it's all up to us to decide. But rather, we're looking at the choices that God makes. And when God chooses, we just can't resist. Good morning, and it's good to see you here this morning and know that spring has come. You know, last week we walked out and the whole place was white, covered with snow, and today it's like 70 degrees. So there you go. Beautiful day from the Lord today. Spring in Michigan. Last week as we began talking about the choices God makes, we know that he calls us. He chooses us. We don't choose him. And he chooses us no matter what station we are in life and where we are, whether we're young or old. Uh, Some people, as we looked at John the Baptist as an example, called before he was ever born, filled with the Holy Spirit before he was ever born, knew from the time he came into the world what he was called to do and fulfilled that mission. But others, like the Apostle Paul, didn't come to know Jesus until he was an adult, And had spent a great deal of time actually against what Jesus was preaching and doing. But when the Lord knocked him down on the road to Damascus, he came to realize what truth was. And he began to live a very different life. When God calls us and chooses us, he does that for a reason. Yes, he wants to save us and give us eternal life and That is certainly a great part of it, and we are always thankful that we know the future, that we know we belong to him and will be in his presence forever, and that someday he's returning, and boy, what a different world it's going to be when he sets up a new heaven and a new earth. But he hasn't called us just to sit around and wait for that day to come. He has a plan and purpose for each one of us, and that plan is also God's choice. And this morning we're going to look at some people that God has called and chosen and changed their lives, but had a purpose for their future. And they found a very different future after their encounter with Jesus Christ than they ever had before they met him. The first one is one I will call the alienated one. And that's the story found in Matthew chapter 9 of the calling of Matthew, one of the disciples of Jesus Christ. It's recorded this way, starting in verse 9. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came. And ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, 
It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Matthew was a tax collector. That meant right away he was alienated from the best of Jewish society. He was considered basically a thief and a traitor. He had capitulated to Roman rule and was collecting taxes for the Romans. And for some of them, that was just impossible. He could not be the person he was supposed to be in God's economy if he would work for the Romans that way. And he was probably wealthy because most tax collectors were because they were basically dishonest. Yes, they collected taxes for Rome, but they also collected a little more as well. And some of it always found its way into their own pockets. And so he was despised for what he did, and he was outside the social circles of those who consider themselves to be truly God's people. From the world's view, I guess he could be considered successful. He had friends, mostly fellow tax collectors. He had wealth. He had position. He was safe. But there seems to be something in Matthew's life that was missing. Something that really hadn't satisfied him. Whether it was because he knew he was a a sinner, whether he knew he was outside the faith and despised by so many people or whatever it was, he just knew that the wealth he had and the position he had and the work he had really wasn't making him the person that he wanted to be. And then one day Jesus appears on the scene and he reaches out to Matthew and calls him. Now, I I think there was a little bit more of a discussion than just follow me, two words. Somehow he knew who Jesus was and what he was teaching, but Jesus gave him the opportunity to follow him and become something more than he already was. He actually invited him to be one of his disciples, to be part of the 12 that would be Jesus' inner circle, And would be able eventually to take the message of the gospel to the whole world. What an impression that must have made on Matthew. Someone who nobody else in religious circles really wanted to connect to. And now here comes Jesus. And not only wants to connect to him, forgive his sins, but to use him as one of his very close associates, one of his twelve disciples. And when Matthew was given that opportunity, when he was accepted by Jesus, forgiven by Jesus, loved by Jesus, and then used by Jesus, he grabbed that opportunity because he knew his life was going to go in a very different direction. And whatever was missing, whatever he had not been able to satisfy, was somehow satisfied in that encounter with Jesus Christ. And Matthew would come to be used by God in in many ways. The gospel of Matthew that we're reading was penned by him. It was a gospel written to Jewish Christians. Because you find in the gospel of Matthew a lot of quotes from the Old Testament, more than any of the other gospels, making that connection from the God of the Old Testament to Jesus Christ. 
Even the section we just read, what it what must have meant to Matthew to realize that quote back in Hosea of I desire mercy more than sacrifice became real to him as he learned Jesus Christ was going to deal with him in mercy. And it wasn't about how he sacrificed the animals or how much he adhered to the law. It was the fact that his sins could be forgiven. And he could not only be forgiven, he could be accepted. And he could be used and was used as one of Jesus' disciples. And all those rules and regulations of the Old Testament, Matthew came to understand, was not there to keep everybody out of the covenant, They were there to point people to Jesus Christ and eventually the new covenant. And he would find purpose in Jesus Christ like he had never found as a tax collector. He apparently wanted everybody to know Jesus because he had a party at his house and invited all his friends. This upset the Pharisees because Jesus and his disciples were actually eating with tax collectors and other sinners. And that was beyond them because they could not accept these people. But Jesus accepted them, saved them, called them, and then used them. And he used Matthew in a way that was illustrative of how when someone is changed by the grace of God, they're accepted into the circles of Jesus Christ and into the church. See, that's the way the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to be a place where sinners can get saved. And once they're saved, they are accepted and loved and then used in the church to be able to present the gospel message to those that need to hear it. We need to be a welcoming place. Jesus would sit down and eat a meal with him and eat at his house. And that's still one of the ways we connect with each other, that we care and love each other enough that we want to be together with each other. We want to eat together. We want to hear each other's stories. We want to get to know each other better. Because for some people, coming to church is just coming on Sunday morning and walking out the doors and and not going to see or hear from them again until next Sunday morning. But Jesus wants us to connect. He wants to use us. And there shouldn't be any divisions in the church about our backgrounds or where we come from because we were all sinners saved by grace. And God has a plan and purpose for each and every one of us, and he wants to use us. So when we're saved, we are welcomed. And when we are welcomed, we're included. And being included means we're going to be used. Jesus Christ made the choice to save you. And he made the choice to use you as well. And as part of the church, we are here to make a difference, not just in the church itself, but in all of society because the truth has set us free and we want to take that truth to a world that needs to hear it. As an alienated person, Matthew was able to be welcomed and find a place. But some people aren't just alienated. They're a lot more needy than that. And the next person we're going to talk about is found in Mark chapter 5 who is a man beyond hope demon-possessed and unable to fit in anywhere. If Matthew was an example of alienation but rich and fit into society, this person didn't fit in anywhere. 
Mark 5, chapter 1, or verse 1. So Jesus and his disciples, they went across the lake to the region of the Gasserines. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. See, Jesus saw this man who was possessed by demons, so much so that he was completely unable to function in any kind of normal society. He was so violent, so out of control, so crazy, that they even tried to chain him up to keep him away from people because they didn't know what he was going to do. But he could break the chains. They couldn't keep him chained up. But he was self-destructive as well. He was trying to hurt himself. He would cut himself with stones. Today we'd call him really mentally ill, try to lock him up. And that's what they tried to do. When Jesus arrived on the scenes, the demons that were controlling that man actually recognized who Jesus was. So when they said to Jesus, you know, stop torturing us, what are you going to do with us? That wasn't really the man talking, that was the demons talking. Because they knew Jesus was about to do something. And Jesus had the power to do something. And so they said, please don't send us to the abyss. Please don't get rid of us, you know, uh, do something else. And Jesus saw a herd of pigs right there. And he said, all right, I won't send you to the abyss, I'll send you into the pigs. And the demons came out of the man, went into the pigs, and the pigs ran off a cliff, and they all died. And the people seeing this were astonished by what happened. Because in just a word, Jesus delivered this man from all that was controlling him. It goes on in verse 14. It says, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed And in his right mind, they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Completely and utterly delivered by Jesus Christ. No longer ranting and raving in the tombs, but now dressed in his right mind. Boy, the people that saw that must have been beyond amazed. Of course, when all the pigs ran off the hill and and died, uh, that amazed them too. 
and they suddenly recognized whoever this Jesus was, he's different. They weren't even sure they wanted him there. They wanted him to go back. Uh, They didn't know what he was going to do. It's going to destroy even more of their livelihood if he got rid of even more pigs. They seemed to care more about the pigs than they did about the guy that's in the tombs. But Jesus had changed him. Jesus had delivered him. And now as Jesus gets ready to leave, the man comes to Jesus and says, Boy, I want to go with you. I want to be with you. You can understand why. He owed everything in his life to Jesus. And now he just wants to be with Jesus and be part of what Jesus is doing. He wants to be a disciple as well. But what is Jesus' response to him? He goes, no, you can't be a disciple. Boy, what a shock that must have been. You know, he had no trouble calling Matthew, who didn't fit in, and Matthew was a sinner. But now here's this guy who's been even more a testimony to the grace of God. And Jesus says to him, no, you can't be a disciple. You know, for a lot of us, that would be too much. Why would Jesus not want him as a disciple? I mean, he has a great testimony too. He probably has a better testimony than Matthew did because he was crazier than Matthew was. It was more noticeable that he'd been changed. He could have been offended. He could have been upset. And Jesus said no. Why was Jesus saying no? Did that mean Jesus really didn't think the guy was good enough to be his disciple? Or he thought maybe the guy still had too many problems and he just wouldn't fit in. Or, you know, he just didn't want him dragging along for the rest of his ministry. You know, we can look at it and think of all reasons why Jesus would not want him to be part of his inner circle or even the larger circle or just be with him. But Jesus made a choice. Not because he didn't think the man was good enough or didn't think that he would fit in. But it seemed Jesus understood where this man would be most effective in telling other people what Jesus had done for him. Sure, he could go with Jesus and he'd have a great testimony and people would be affected by it. But how much more the people that used to see him in the tombs, the people that knew him, knew his story, they would see the change every single time they looked at him. And as he began began to walk through the towns and tell his story of his encounter with Jesus Christ, they'd be able to say, is that the guy that we used to chain up in the tombs? The guy who used to be so violent he was trying to kill everybody and kill himself? The guy that used to scream uncontrollably? Is that that guy? Because boy, look at him now. He, He just looks like a regular person. He just seems to be doing well. And the longer he was in his right mind, the more of an impression it would make on people. Man, when Jesus Christ delivers somebody, they're delivered. And then all the people that knew him would have a constant daily reminder of the power of the living God. And so traveling with Jesus, while possible, really wouldn't be the most effective way for him to minister. His real effective ministry would be with the people 
that knew him before he was delivered and could see the difference that Jesus Christ had made in his life. See, he was an example of someone who received the mercy and grace of God when it seemed impossible that he would ever receive anything because he was so needy, so outside the bonds of uh, any kind of civilized society that it didn't seem that he would ever find a place or ever be used or ever be needed because how do you use somebody that crazy? There are always broken, needy people that come into the church and need to find the delivering and healing power of Jesus Christ. People whose backgrounds have not just made them outside the type of people that usually go to church, but on the margins of society, period. Because their lifestyles, because of things that have happened to them, because of the choices they have made. They seem beyond help sometimes. They're too needy, too broken, too much of a problem. But you know, Jesus is still the answer for every problem. He still delivers. He still heals. He still changes lives. And whether it's addiction or abuse or dysfunctional families or whatever it is that puts you outside the mainstream of society, Jesus is the answer to your need. Because he can change you in a moment of time. And the people that knew you before you encountered Jesus will look at you and say, you know, what happened to you? They want to know why you're so different now. And that's your opportunity to tell the story of Jesus Christ. We can all compare ourselves to other people. And look at someone who has a different background and the type of ministry they have and their success and say, boy, I wish I could be like that person. You know, if only I had made different choices in life. You know, then I could have been a teacher too. Or, you know, I could have done this different. I could have been used in a whole different way. But I've messed up so badly. I have so many mistakes in my past. I'm so dysfunctional. I didn't even finish school. that I can't do any of that. We know Jesus is quite aware of that, but he called you anyway. And he didn't ask you to be like somebody else who has a different background. He knows where you are, and he knows where you're effective. And he makes the choice where to use you. See, the problem comes in when we try to act like the man who wanted to go with Jesus and say, this is what I want to do. He could have been very offended when Jesus told him no, And said, well, then I'm not going to do anything. If I can't go and be with Jesus and be part of his disciples, then what's the point? I I knew I'd never be wanted. Or he could take the opportunity to say, Jesus put me in a different direction. And I'm going to be there and be the best that I can be and influence as many people as I can. It's Jesus that makes the choice where you're going to serve. And he's going to use you in the way he wants to use you not necessarily the way you want to be used. And so you don't need to compare yourself to other people. What they're doing or not doing, they'll answer to God themselves for the call on their life. What are you doing with the call on your life? And if you have a testimony, a story to tell about the delivering power and the healing power of God, 
you've got a story that people are going to listen to. And anybody that knew you when you were a mess of a life and sees you now very different is going to listen to what you have to say. Because they want to know what happened. They want to know how you can be so different. They need an encounter with Jesus Christ as well. Jesus met the alienated ones. He met the needy ones. And then he met those who were so far outside the group that no place was really made for them. And we read that story in Matthew 15, verse 21. It says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. This woman comes to Jesus with two strikes against her before she ever starts. One, she's Canaanite, which means she's a Gentile. And the Gentiles just don't have any place in the worship of the Old Covenant in Israel. And if it's not bad enough, she's a Canaanite, she's a woman. And that also means she doesn't have a place. Because she couldn't even go into the temple. All of the Gentiles had to stay in the outer court. They couldn't even go into worship. They weren't welcome. Even the women could only go into the next tier, and they couldn't go with the men. So she was really outside of anything that she could possibly receive from the God of Israel and the worship that went on there and in that temple. But she has a problem. And she knows that her problem just cannot be solved the way she's living now. Whatever religion she had been raised in, whatever that idolatry was, it wasn't enough. She knew that the God she served did not have the answer for her daughter. She knew that no matter what the culture she was in had to offer, it couldn't release her daughter from the spirit that had her, and nothing could ever be changed. Something was missing in her faith. She really didn't know what what that key was, what was missing. But she knew as long as she stayed in the religion she was in, her daughter was not going to receive any help. And she had heard about Jesus Christ. She had heard that he was able to deliver people from demon possession. And so she went to him hoping, praying that maybe an encounter with him could make a difference. Because that was the only hope she had left. There was simply no hope for the way things were going there. And she seemed to understand something. That a lot of Jesus' disciples didn't quite understand yet. And that was when it came to demon possession, when it came to demons and Satan, 
Satan doesn't care what your religion is. Satan's not picky. He doesn't recognize the bonds of different religions. He's not worried about what your background is. He doesn't care what church you go to. He doesn't care how you were raised. Satan's not picky at all. He destroys everybody. He doesn't care where you've come from, how good you are, how wealthy you are, how old you are, anything. Male, female, none of that matters to Satan. He destroys everything. And she recognized he was destroying her daughter and her family. And so nobody else seemed to be able to do anything about the destructive power of Satan. Except that she heard that Jesus Christ somehow had more power than Satan had. And so she came and asked him. And at first he said, no, I can't do anything for you. Because my ministry isn't isn't to you. But she seemed to understand, if Satan can destroy the world, certainly the one who has power over Satan can save the world as well. And she wasn't going to be denied just because of a little bit of time before things were going to be changed. She recognized that if Satan doesn't care about your background, why would God care about your background? The one who saves, the one who heals, the one who has come into the world to show mercy to thousands of people, why would he care at this point? And surely he has just enough a crumb from the table to help her in her moment of need. And Jesus recognized, yes, indeed, he had come to help. He wasn't going to recognize the boundaries uh, that had excluded her. He was going to include her as well. And he saw in her the faith that Jesus was the only one who could help her. She knew he was the only one who could help her. And so he helped her. And her daughter was made whole. Now, the story kind of ends there, and it doesn't tell you how she was used by Jesus after this mighty deliverance. Probably because she couldn't really be used at this point in time because she was a Gentile woman. This was before the day of Pentecost. But when Pentecost came, and the church was birthed, and then after the house of Cornelius, when the the message to the Gentiles began to really take shape. I'd like to think that she was one of those people in the church who was able to testify firsthand about her encounter with Jesus Christ and what a difference it made. Because she and her daughter would both again be examples of what Jesus Christ could do. And how the message was now available, not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well, to the whole world that Jesus Christ is the answer, and she was an example of it. See, we still have the truth. Jesus still saves, he still delivers, and he's not a respecter of persons. That means that Jesus doesn't really care about what has happened to you in life. That doesn't exclude you from his call, nor does it exclude you from his service. What he wants are people that have met him and been changed by him and can tell the message of the power of God to a world that needs to hear it. See, when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, 
then you are eligible for service to him. Because he called you and changed you. That was not your choice. And he chooses to use you because he has a plan and purpose for your life. All these people were changed. Not because they made a decision to get changed. They were changed because they had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And that's what we still need today. We need to encounter Jesus Christ, know the truth of who he is, have him take away our sins and be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can be what he has called us to be. So maybe you're here today and and you feel alienated like Matthew. Maybe you've grown up in the church, but you found the church really wasn't all you thought it would be. Maybe it excluded you. Maybe the rules and regulations somehow upset you and, and you left or whatever the reasons were. But you've lost your passion. You've lost your desire for the things of God. You know you're just spinning your wheels. And see, if you lose your passion, then you need a fresh encounter with Jesus Christ. You need to know that he's still your savior. He still fills you with his spirit. And he still is interested in using you for his kingdom purposes. And whenever you feel outside the family of God or don't feel like you fit in or you haven't really gotten involved, you need an encounter with Christ. Because if you're just filling the seat and you're not serving yet, there's a problem. Because Jesus didn't save you so you could just sit in a seat. He saved you to use you and to make a difference in this world. And if you're not making a difference, it's because you need a fresh talk with Jesus Christ. You need to have the Holy Spirit once again infuse you with his power so that you know you are loved by God. You have been changed by him. And you are going to make a difference and get excited about where he wants to use you because he's going to put you someplace. Maybe you're needy. You know your background in life and the choices you've made haven't been good ones. And it's just you can't really serve anywhere because you still are too broken. You still have too many problems, too many personal issues. And you come and you know you need help. But you're not sure how to get that help. You need an encounter with Jesus Christ as well. You know, he still delivers. He still saves. He still heals. And when you come to him, he will be there to make a difference. And to deliver and save and heal no matter what the issue is. So if you're feeling unable to keep going because of the weights of the problems you have, you need an encounter with Jesus this morning. Maybe you're just an outsider. You don't even know Jesus yet. You heard about him. You're here. You've been someone that's been exposed to what he's done, but he's not real to you yet. You're still a sinner. Your, your sins haven't really been taken away and you know it. You know you've never really had an encounter with Jesus Christ. At least not one of those where it changes you. It makes a difference. 
You know, you can sit in church your whole life and never have an encounter with Jesus Christ because it just all goes over your head and you want to pretend that you do, but you know you really don't. It's time to stop pretending. It's time to really know that he's your savior and friend. And so this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to come down to the altar and have an encounter with Jesus Christ if it's been a while since that has happened. Whether you're losing your passion, where you've never met him, whether the problems of life are keeping you down, whatever the need is, it's been a while since the Holy Spirit has really gotten hold of you and really made a difference in your life. You can have that encounter today. When he chooses us, he chooses our purpose as well. And he wants to use you. But to be used, you need to be filled with the Spirit and know the direction he has for your life. So I want you to stand as we bring this part of our meeting to the close and as we sing and worship and praise to him. If you want to come, and have an encounter with Jesus Christ and be filled with the Spirit, just step out, come down to the altar. If you'd like someone to pray with you, they'll be here to help you pray if you'd like that. But know that he still makes a difference, and he will make a difference in your life as well. The marvelous love of Jesus Christ. It's almost more than we can take in. That he loved us enough to step into our situations, give us eternal life, but to also give us purpose here. And he doesn't want us to do it under our own power and our own steam. We're not serving the Lord so we can prove how faithful and good we are, so that we get rewards somehow when we get up to heaven. We do it because of the excitement that comes from knowing the Holy Spirit working in us can make a difference in the lives of people. If he made a difference in your life, he can make a difference in someone else's life. And we should just be overflowing with that message to say life can be different. There's something that satisfies in Jesus Christ that the world can never give you. Matthew found that out when he came to serve Jesus. There's no brokenness or issue that is from your past that Jesus cannot heal and make a difference. And no matter what your background, if you never were raised in Christ or were raised in a completely different religion, he still will draw you and he still knows the answer. And that means to me that there's not one person you encounter that doesn't need the message of who Jesus is. There's no excuses on your part to say, well, that person, I don't think Jesus can use that person. They're never going to be saved. How many people do you know never are going to get saved? Because you've said to yourself, I don't think that person's ever going to come to church. God's never going to use them. They, they don't care one whit about anything. You don't know anything. Those are the people Jesus uses the most. The ones that you think they're never going to get saved. You don't save them, Jesus does. You don't call them, Jesus does. Amen.
but he uses you to tell the message. And if you don't tell the message, how will they hear? Father, we thank you. Thank you that you've called us. Thank you that you've called us to service. And the Lord, you use us. Even though we're so imperfect, even though we still make so many mistakes, even though we have such a long way to go, you still use us. You still fill us with your Holy Spirit and point us in the direction we need to be. And Lord, even when we're telling our stories and we know we're not telling it well, your Holy Spirit goes before us and prepares the hearts of the people we're talking to. Because Lord, those you're going to call, you're going to use. And we thank you that you've called us. So Lord, open our eyes, open our hearts to the need of the world around us. Give us that boldness to step in and say to people, you need an encounter with Jesus Christ. You need to find in him what you're looking for. And whatever your need is, whatever your issue is, whatever the problem is, Jesus is the answer. He changed my life and he'll change yours. So bless us as we go this morning. Lord, help us to be people that are full of your Holy Spirit and open to the direction that you set our feet. Bless us now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.